live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas with Willie Ramirez. There it is with Willie Ramirez. Hey, come on. Welcome to a Friday. Tyler's not here. He's out of the state. We can tell you where he is, but uh, probably not a good idea. It's too personal information. Out with the family. Uh, it's Ed Graney, Willie Ramirez, Danny running the show. Willie Ramirez? How are you, buddy? What's, you know, you're not a coffee guy, right? Oh, no. Never had it. Coffee ice cream. I brought you something. Uh, Not coffee. No. I brought you a gift. Okay. All right. It's in. Oh, no. Look at this. Danny, look at this. No. It's a bag. I'll, I'll explain it. Good radio. It's a bag of frozen peanut M&Ms. Now, there's a story behind this. There is a story. There's a big time story behind this. Before Danny. you say before you say the story, there's no greater candy than frozen peanut M&Ms. Okay. Willie and I will agree. You want to impart the story about why you and I are obsessed with these? Well, while our good friend Adam Hill was obsessed with and created a national stir over gummy bears at the Vegas Golden Knights and actually caused the Los Angeles Angels to put gummy bears in their press box. Is uh, that him just taking credit for that, or do you think that actually happened? I there's one. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, well, actually, it's your fault that he got thrust into the spotlight because you wrote some column like, we don't know what's going on, but the Golden Knights this, Golden Knights that. All we know is they've lost five or six at home. It could be this. Someone said the ice was bad. Adam Hill says it's because gummy bears aren't up there. Now, all of a sudden, fans were running across the, 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 uh, the what is it called, the opening there in front of T-Mobile Arena. They were running across, handing them big bags of gummy bears because – they weren't consistent on press row. No, they were not. And then the director, they they told the the uh, the catering department, do not ever let the gummy bear bowl go empty again. So it became this fascination. It went stir crazy, and then all of a sudden, the Angels tweeted to the goal, uh, to the Golden Knights, "Is this how it's done?" Hoping to get a winning streak going. So it absolutely well, that, that was Adam work. pointing it out. You writing about it. And then T-Mobile going nuts about it. And then everybody running across Toshiba Plaza to hand Adam bags of gummy bears. But for you and I, it was always the peanut M&Ms. And we were not happy when they were when we showed up and they still hadn't put them out. Right, because at the first season, it was random. We never knew what candy was going to be there. Right. Now it's always peanut M&Ms, gummy bears, Skittles. So last year, I was like, okay, I'm not going to run, you know... The Raiders give out bags of candy. The Golden Knights give out these. They have the big jars that you and with scoops of candy. So I said, you know what? I am going to get coffee cups. Every time I walk up to this, I walk up, scoop some coffee cups, nibble a little bit, whatever's left, put it in the backpack, bring it home. I got to the point where I was bringing home a couple of cups. <laughs> but the greatest thing is, is they were never... Touched by these no. hands, the scoop in the cup. Right. Go home, open the Ziploc, pour it in, 
I got I got the exact amount. I figured out how much was if you put it at a certain level in the coffee cup, you get it home, the ounces are weighed. I my freezer in my garage, I'm set. I might I well, let's put it this way. The Raider season's about to start, and I got plenty of peanut M&Ms. So I said to myself, it just took a couple, just about a month ago, where now I just start bringing the Ziplocs in one by one. And uh, I've gone to a couple of movies, Mom mom Dates, and I bring peanut M&Ms for us, and then we get the popcorn and the soda, but I take care of the candy, obviously. Uh, so I said to myself, let me bring Ed some peanut M&Ms. I appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate it a lot. The wife will really appreciate it. She's a big fan. Do you stock up on peanut M&Ms during the season for the off-season? Yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. They're never they're okay. never eaten during the season no. at my house. Ever. No. Interesting. Ever. Go to the night season. Yeah. No. Well, there we're off and running. Wait, wait, I've got wait, a wait, present. Wait, wait, here's the best. Here's well, let me finish. Does it answer your question? At the end of the Golden Knight season cuz he didn't get in the playoffs, I figured it out of cuz I again, I said I know the ounces. I added all the ounces out, divided by 16. I had like 35 plus. I used to text Ed. Yeah. I'm up to 32. I'm up to 30. I had like 35 plus pounds of peanut M&Ms in the freezer. Oh, man. I I don't know how you have that self-restraint because they would not make it to the offseason <laughs> in my house. Well, well, Danny, how old are you? I am 31. 31, standing about 6'2". Um, I am short, fat, and there's your two reasons. <laughs> well, and it was shorter this year because they didn't make the playoffs. Okay, here we go. The first bite. How have things looked in pads for the Raiders? All right, before we get to Josh Jacobs, because I know you wrote a story about AP on him, and he's an interesting cat out there at uh, at Raiders practice. I did want to ask you this because so much has been focused on this offensive line. Every day we're watching the offensive line. Who's starting? Who's in the first team? Uh, Alex Leatherwood is not. What have you made of what you've seen from the offensive line, and do you think the starters we've seen so far, which would be Miller, uh, James the center, um, Parker, uh, our buddy Lester Cotton. Um, and, you know, what What have you seen out there from the offensive line that you like or dislike at this point? I really don't. I, I am not one of these, you know, you're a columnist, Ed. You're out there. You're looking for your story. You're trying to, you know, you're arranging with your guys. I mean, the beat writers, even the Sun, I don't even know if the, the Las Vegas Sun, but as far as the RJ, like Vinny, uh, maybe Vic Tafer from the Athletic to Sean Reed. Yeah, like you guys are looking for those things. When I go out there, I'm I'm sort of like you, minus the column. I'm focusing on my whatever I'm working on that day. So I have not sat there and watched every single drill. Watching this, they move around so much. I'm watching what's in front of me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so even if I'm not working on the offensive line that day, or I'm not working on the wide receivers that day. If they're in front of me, that's what I'm watching. I am not trying to squint two fields over. I'm not, I don't have the binoculars out. The one thing that I was looking at last week before they put the pads on was footwork and explosiveness just off the snap. Even if it was against a uh, a blocking pad or whatever it may have been, I was just kind of paying attention to their conditioning. Because I remember like the first two years that they arrived here, that was a big thing was conditioning. It's like we always hear that, even with the Golden Knights, getting back to game speed, getting in. I wanted to see what they were like off the snap or, you know, they're calling the cadence um, and the footwork. And I really was, I personally, I'm an optimist already, okay? I'm not a fan, but I am the innocent till proven guilty. Everyone is so is so bashing this offensive line based on past, like as if it can't improve. 
You don't think that these guys want to get better? It's oh, like, sure. You they know, so it's like, it's like people are like, you know, well, yeah, but the offensive line, I mean, it's brutal. It's this. No, it was brutal, and it made mistakes. The mistakes they made were fixable. This is also a team that was in disarray. Not, not that off the field problems are going to affect in game mistakes on an offensive line. Anyway, going off on a soapbox here. But the bottom line is. Their footwork and their explosions, explosive miss across the board. I think that the the left side is probably, or yeah, the left side's probably locked up at this point, or not locked up, but you would assume. Um, who's behind the eight ball is the question. Is Leatherwood behind the ball, eight ball? Has Parham had the upper hand? You know, who who is going to lock themselves in is the biggest question, and I think we're going to see those questions answered as we progress. I don't think that there's a clear cut answer after. One week of training camp and only a couple of days in pads. Do you think it's a failure if on the right side you have Lester Cotton and Brandon Parker and not Alex Leatherwood for Alex Leatherwood being a first-round pick last year and he can't make a starting position this year? Because right now, like I said, it's Miller, Simpson, James, Cotton, and Parker. No. Okay. I don't because— I saw he, that on Twitter the other day. It's like, a, how can he not in the second year as a first-round pick be either, be either the uh, right guard or the right, more specifically the right tackle? I don't think it's a failure on him. It would just make it look like, it, in a sense, it's a failure on— like Mayock Gruden assuming that he was a first-round pick. They made him the first-round pick. The pressure's on this kid to show up. If you reverse it and, okay, he came off the bench his rookie season and started the second season, that's progression. So maybe he's back where he was supposed to be. Where he's supposed to be all along. Right. So it's not not necessarily a failure on the kid. I mean, could take three, four years for him to progress and grow. New offense, new system. Get your body right, get your shape right, get your, you know, whatever. I mean, we're about to talk about Josh Jacobs, and in my opinion, it's taken four years for him to have his best training camp. Yeah, he looks fresh, he looks strong. Uh, you wrote a story on Josh Jacobs. We're going to uh, play some sound here and continue this on uh, after the break, but Josh Jacobs does look really good. Uh, he was asked about it, Josh McDaniels, yesterday. Josh Jacobs coming back from an undisclosed injury, missed offseason workouts, missed OTAs, but man, uh, as Willie stated in his story, this kid looks good, and maybe this is his best year, his fourth year. And without getting his fifth-year option picked up, maybe that's the precipice that has driven him to be as good as he's looked. Here's Josh McDaniels on Josh Jacobs. Yeah, working. We're, once the reps, you know, you can see him. He's taking a lot of reps in there and and trying to work, you know, as, as a lot of guys are, is work themselves into, you know, ultimately playing condition. Um but, uh, you know, he, Josh got himself ready to go. You know, he rehabbed hard, you know, in the offseason and, and got ready to, you know, participate at the beginning of camp, which um, he did a great job of that. And he was in condition when we, when we reported, like the rest of our team was, and um, continued to grind away through the basics. And, again, when you miss reps in the, in the offseason, part of this period for you is acclimating to – what's your job and hearing the call in the huddle and being able to go out there and play fast, you know? And so there's a handful of guys that are, you know, along with the rookies that are kind of getting used to that at the same time that they're going through the conditioning process too. So uh, Josh is, um, you know, he's working real hard and pleased with what he's trying to do. All right. What did you make of some of those comments and uh, what you wrote about Josh Jacobs and his start to camp? I think that, I think that, I think that McDaniels, you know, I mean, you never know what we can take from any head coach in any sport. I think we're, we've learned that. I mean, you've been doing this longer than I have, you know, at SoCal and then here and then traveling up to cover the Raiders. Um, 
in general, you never know what to take them. It's all face value. I think he's genuine what he's saying, but I also think that he's pleasantly surprised. Like, okay, this kid, he did what, you know, because I think that they had their reservations, and that's why we saw them draft a running back, bring, you know, draft running backs, draft, or um, bring in guys that were familiar right. with the system, maybe to teach, maybe just in case. Um, I've been high in saying that on Kenyon Drake, um, thinking that he could steal the spotlight with Zamir White possibly having a pivotal role. Tell you what, I'm not changing my tune because I've never won to back off of a prediction. It's not my style. But Josh Jacobs has been really impressive. And what I've noticed is just that above all things is his attitude, his his demeanor. You know, he's not out there with an angry attitude. I'll tell you, and you know what? I will throw so, and I'm throwing him under the bus. I'm going to just kind of put this comparison out there. Is yesterday, as humid as it was, pads on for the second day. They were really using the, the, uh, the, uh, the box, right? Right. The, the, right. Uh, um, what's it called, Do I was correct. The ice box. The ice box. What did you I go call? in and I was what, calling zero it the degrees? Chill box. Yeah, the ice box. And he come he come in there, and then he comes out. He's smiling and he's talking with Mark McMillan, right? Our good friend Mark McMillan and a couple of Alabama alums. And and uh, Mark said something to him. And he goes, "Yep, big year." And he grabbed his helmet and raced back to his thing. You know who came off the field? Stoic, just looked like oh, business like could be just having a game face, just because just could be focused. Don't want to jump to conclusions, but just looked like he had an attitude. Jonathan Abram, based off the press conference that we had with him, he's got, it's no yeah. surprise. No, not right? at all. He so maybe it just means that he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, but I like what I've seen, I like what I've heard, I like the demeanor with Josh Jacobs. It's exactly Exactly. If you want to read about it, I just retweeted my tweet with the story from la- on the top of my timeline. If you want to read about, it. but it's exactly what McDaniel's needed to see from this kid in every manner, mentally, physically, emotionally. Fantastic. Yeah. And I think that he's proven himself at this point. Uh, knock on wood, this kid doesn't incur any any injuries, no dings, whatever it was that was going on. He said it wasn't nothing. He said, I think in answering to Adam uh, Hill, he said. I didn't really have anything crazy. I just wanted to get my body right. So who right. knows? Could have been some strains. Well, and I think I think you'll agree. I don't know. And OTAs with a new offense, maybe it would have been good that he'd been there. But like you said, he needed to get his body right. He'll pick up the offense. I don't think that's going to be an issue at all. Right. Well, and it could be anything. It could have been like a calf strain. It could it could have been a secondary uh, muscle injured while he was working on something else. Who knows? Maybe he's working on his legs, his leg strength. Maybe he was working on his core. It could be anything. Could be working to focus on compound movements, squats, deadlifts, bench press to strengthen his core or something else to enhance. And then he strained a secondary. So he was just taking it easy, getting treatment, doing stuff, in the, working with bands or dumbbells. There's, it could be a number of things, whatever it is. He's definitely worked it out because he looks fantastic. All right. Off and running, peanut M&Ms are in the house. They're frozen. I put them, it's like I've got a broken jaw. I'm just continue putting them against my face, giving them a little whiff. When we come back, we'll continue with football and the Raiders. Back after this. How we doing? Uh, Second day in pads? Yeah. You guys ready? You got pads for us? Huh? Oh, man, I don't know if you guys would be able to do that. <laughs> it was hot yesterday. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Josh McDaniels, Raiders coach, making uh, fun of us after one of your questions on the uh, second day in pads. What do you think? Could I hang? 
Yeah. If they, if, you know how they have stations. Yeah. Okay. So if they just put a media station in pads. Yeah. Like we're not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go at linebacker against Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake or Darren Waller. Yeah. But I mean, if if it was the like, okay, media, you're going to do what the Raiders do, but you're in your own station. I mean, I think we could try. I think the only person that's taking me out is, like, full-blown taking me out is Sam Gordon. Sam would be good. Sam's in good shape. Because Sean is, like, he's probably quick and athletic. I don't know if, like, he could just run right through me. Like, Sam could run through probably. Like, like to Sean, probably, he could, like, like go. Like, if he was a DB, like, he would take me out. But anybody uh, else, I'm, 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 I'm holding my own. I'm trying to think. There's a long line of people. How many people? Well, depends on the day. How many media people are out there? <laughs> oh well, 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 the other thing is we have to clarify now: are we are we, are we talking media, media people or media? media? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if it's some of the media, I welcome them in the one-on-one drill, the dead man's alley, whatever you want to call it. What did you call it when you were? What was it called? Wasn't it the Oklahoma drill? Uh, yeah, I mean, we did Oklahoma's. There was uh, no such thing as Oklahoma in 1977. Pop Warner. Well, no. Well, they do. No. You, they have multiple drills, but it's basically all the same. You just run between two bags and you just hit the guy across. Yeah. Dead man's alley. We did. We actually did it where I grew up back east. My school was surrounded by farms, and one of the farms had a bunch of corn stalks. So the first day we were able to do nice. full pads. It's a way to make yourself aware of your surroundings. We had to run through the corn stalks and try not to get hit while hitting <laughs> other people. Gee. When we were it was kids, feel the dreams. It was wild. When we were kids, the the game that we played, you can't. I don't think that it's politically correct to to, to say the name of it. But but you you tackled one person who ever had the ball, and if you got tackled, you threw it up in the air. Whoever caught it, then you ran around. We played it at recess, but it was smear the, and it rhymed with smear. Oh but, yeah, but oh we played play. that. We played yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the vast difference, but then there was also a one called Johnny Tackle, and I don't remember what that rule. I don't was. know what Johnny Tackle is. Yeah, I know the, the other one you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, the other about. one. We played that all the time. Continuing on here, <laughs> one more thing about Josh Jacobs before we go to the break. Kenyon Drake, and I want to ask Willie about Kenyon Drake as well because I agree with him. He's looking uh, he's looking great at camp too despite coming back from the broken angle. We didn't even think he would start camp, but he has, and he's uh, also looked as fresh as possible. But here's Kenyon Drake talking about his teammate Josh Jacobs. Yeah, man, Josh is a, a guy that's been through a lot in his life. It's well documented, obviously, um, and he loves the game of football. So at the end of the day, he's going to challenge the energy of everything around him to con- continue to elevate his game personally, you know. And I know that, you know, he's somebody that, you know, likes to have a lot of people around him that believe in him. And at the end of the day, we believe in him. All right. What do you think about Kenyon Drake so far? especially coming off the broken ankle, but he did start camp on time, which I thought was a good sign. Yeah, and he said that he's been through this before, so I'm not sure what the, to the extent of his his past injuries, but, I mean, he, I mean, he's a veteran. This is a guy who's, you know, I said it before, and I said it last year. I just was, I've just always been impressed by Kane since he got here. His demeanor and his, his somewhat quiet leadership skills, what he brings, you know, um, He's not loud and boisterous like a Denzel Perryman, right, which we're going to talk about later in terms of, like, his leadership skills. But I think Kenyon Drake brings a nice a nice blend of leadership and experience, sort of a bit of a calm, too, you know, to, 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 
to a running back room that, that sort of needs that. It, it got bolded in there as well. I think bolded's more like a Perryman in that room, but but there's something about Kenyon Drake. So, I, and I think that he take he approaches that upon himself too. You know, um, he probably had a heck of an off season. He's probably you know the one thing that that Jacob said is that you know when, at the end of last season he got his mindset to where okay I need to get ready because I have no clue who the coaches are going to be and it, whoever it may be, you know. Are they going to need me? Are they going to use me? What are they going to do? As it turned out, the one thing that they didn't do was pick up his fifth-year option, and it motivated him. I would suspect that Kenyon Drake took the same sort of attitude and like, hey, you know, um, look who's coming in. I've been in the league. I've been in that division. So I know what kind of offense we're about to run. I'm excited. And he focused and got ready. And, you know, I think he's just he's a, he's a true professional, Kenyon Drake. I think that's what you get out of him. I think that's what we're going to see. And I think I still think, and I'm standing by, that he's going to have a very pivotal role with I this too. offense. If you watch, if you watch what Josh McDaniels did in New England with the with the running back by committee, I think you're exactly right. I think Kenyon Drake's in for a huge year, seventh year in the league. You know, in Miami, he was a rotational guy, played well. Then he goes to Arizona, starts 23 of 25 games. Now he's a rotational guy back here. But, you know, if he can get over he had the dislocated and broken ankle at Alabama, he told us yesterday, which was even worse than the broken ankle this time. Um, I thought it was interesting yesterday. He said he was running a zone zone read left, and it was the exact play in which he broke the ankle. And he said for a second, it, you know, it went through his mind that that was the play, but he got through it. Um, another accountability guy fumbled yesterday, took a lap, 50 push-ups, dropped the ball, 10 push-ups. They continue to do this accountability. I saw Derek Carr running a lap yesterday. And I don't know if it's from the players. I don't know if it's from the coaches. But they're taking that stuff very seriously. It's not just lip service when it comes to this accountability and the laps being run. And people might out there be saying, well, you know, they're football players or pro football players. They should be running laps. Look, they one of the problems with the Raiders last year is they, you know, were among the lead leaders in penalties. And like you said about the offensive line, they've got to stop that. And if they do yeah. stop that, they and they still went to the playoffs. It's like Kenyon Drake said yesterday, of all the mistakes they made last year, they still went to the playoffs, which if you cut those mistakes out and you have this kind of offense and the offensive line holds up, you might be in for a special season. And and what are we seeing? Self-inflicted penalties. This training camp, you make a mistake. You're doing push-ups. You're doing a lap. Yeah. That has nothing to do with the coaching staff. That's player-mandated. I mean, he told us a story. Who was it? He told it was it Lester Cotton. Lester Cotton makes him st- or jumps. He, he, he jumps. He thought that it was his fault, and it wasn't his fault. McDaniel's told us that. He said that was the best thing. Nobody followed up with that yesterday. Did you notice that? McDaniel's tells us a story about how Lester Cotton makes a mistake, or he jumps the gun and go, and he just takes off and runs a lap, or he right was a yeah, lap. He ran, yeah lap. He ran lap. Comes up, he goes, huh. he's huffy. He goes, tired, boss. Yeah, and. and I was waiting for McDaniel's to say. I wanted to ask him, like, did you ever tell him that it that he didn't make the mistake? Because McDaniel said it wasn't even his fault, and he took off. I wanted to go. Well, did you tell him that it wasn't his mistake? But that's the accountability that these guys are taking upon themselves. So they want to perfect it now, punishing themselves. And what better way to punish yourself than with conditioning, push-ups, and a lap? Did you like how McDaniel's uh, got a little testing in the beginning of practice? I loved it. I think it's fantastic. Well, Malcolm Coots trying to get near Derek Carr and just a yeah, well, well, simple run out. Yeah, and it doesn't matter the situation. That's football. That's the football I know. The only thing that was missing was grabbing him by the face mask and dragging him out of the way. That's football. Sorry to tell you. I am not the parent or the 
the coaching mindset. I, I mean, you obviously you coached young ladies when you were a softball coach, but I mean, I coached my son in little league in football. One of my favorite pictures that I have of Jordan, I'm nose to face mask um, out at the MYFL fields. But I mean, when he was in Taekwondo, there was no. You talk about punishments. Punishments was at home sitting up against the wall doing push ups. So I loved it when he went off and started cussing and swearing. I mean, hey. PSL season ticket holders, you're going to bring your kids out there and get on the list to go sit there. Be prepared because this is football. That's what it's about. And they're getting paid millions of dollars to win. So I loved it. Yeah, McDaniel's a little testy. I think everyone out there had a good laugh, but uh, thought it was the right thing to do as Malcolm Coons getting a little too close to Derek. I am mandating, and I want you to take the lead as the senior guy in town. Like you're the call, you're senior columnist. In the press box, anybody acts up or cheer or starts cheering, does anything, you were to walk around and say, "Blank, damn it, get out of the, stop it." That'll be your job. All right, well, All right, the, coach. Well, knowing some of the media in town, I'll be doing that instead of writing. We'll be back after this. All of the sun, none of the fun on the press box summer edition. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. How are you, Ben? Hey guys, how are you doing? Good, I'm doing, uh, you know, pretty well. Loving the loving the training camp rumors we're getting coming out here now. So yeah, exactly. good time to be a football fan. What were the odds that Kyler Murray played more Call of Duty than actually watched film? If you had to put a book on it. <laughs> oh boy, I mean, I don't, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a Kyler Murray guy. I'll 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 say it. I do think that uh, we see him take a pretty significant step forward. My my issue with Arizona, I would say, is more. You know, the general manager, Steve Keim, uh, and Cliff Kingsbury. And I think those are the concerning spots for me more so than the quarterback position. So I'm going to lay, I'm going to lay, you know, a decent minus price on the fact that Kyler was <laughs> probably watching just a little bit more film than Call of Duty, I would say. So, Ben, so I got to ask you before we get into some uh, win totals, we have, uh, we are less than a week now away from the Hall of Fame game. And I'm noticing a little bit of action. I think that there's enthusiasm by the betters, there's excitement. On the Raiders, I've seen it gone from one to one and a half. It's two at a majority that I'm looking at on my line service here. Um, you know, I mean, and and I don't think that they're going to shy away. I think this is a Hall of Fame game. A lot of these veterans have never been in it. Your thoughts on the Raiders minus two against the Jaguars? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 obviously you know a tricky endeavor handicapping preseason games, especially the very first preseason game. I would typically lean. Uh, probably toward the under more than anything else that's moved down a little bit as well. Like that's probably like, you know, 32 and a half, probably the lowest total that we see for this preseason opening. But I get, I get the Raiders hype. I do think that, um, you know, when we're handicapping some of these games, obviously your expectation is how long are these starters going to play? And I think with, you know, new, new coaches in place for both of these teams, we could see the starters maybe play just a little bit longer than they would uh, typically in most of these other first preseason games. So I think we see some run. I do think the Jaguars being a little bit of a younger team, we might see some of their starters extend on a little further than the Raiders. So maybe that gives them a slight advantage, but uh, I have no real feel on the spread, but I do think the game, uh, if you're going to bet it, uh, the under is probably the only spot you can really go. Another total that I'm thinking of in week one of the preseason uh, it looks like it's the biggest total on the card is Indianapolis Buffalo, and I don't know if it's the mindset of maybe the odds makers trying to play a trick on the on the on the betters to get them thinking Matt Ryan, Josh Allen. First of all, I don't think that Matt Ryan, and I want to talk to to you about the Colts win total in a second. I don't think that this is going to be a Matt Ryan office as much as I think 
that it's going to be more so a Jonathan Taylor offense, but it's sitting on 34 where all the other ones, oh, excuse me, you know what? Carolina Washington is up there around 35, 35 and a half. But anyway, I, I, I kind of think that the Colts and Bills might be a strong underplay in that first opener because I don't think that either quarterback is going to see much play. Yeah, I think, I think you know, obviously the big issue or the big concern with the, the Bills is getting out of the preseason healthy, right? Obviously, you know, Super Bowl favorites right now uh, based on the betting market. So I don't think we're going to see Josh Allen for any sort of extended period of time. Uh, offensively, uh, a lot of continuity on the offensive side of the football. Uh, defensively, you know, they're getting guys back like Tredavious White. So I don't think we're going to see a ton of run from anybody in their secondary. So I'm with you. I think it's going to be a lot of twos and threes in that particular matchup. Matt Ryan, of course, you know, transitioning over to Indianapolis, uh, but veteran quarterback. Uh, I do think that we're probably going to see, uh, you know, the game at least not be much in favor of like the ones actually playing a whole lot. So I'm with you. I think 34 uh, is, is pretty high. Uh, for a week one spread, so I do or week one total. So I do think, like you said, uh, the, the play is definitely on the under. I think that's the spot where you got to start if you bet any of these preseason games here, especially in week one. All right, so let's talk about Indianapolis. They uh, they say goodbye to Carson Wentz. Matt Ryan comes in, but I think that you know Matt Ryan. Not saying he's had his best days, but I mean you know his his days with Julio Jones are going to be hard to top. And I just don't think that the Colts are going to put together a high-flying offense like the Falcons had. I think this is more in Jonathan Taylor's hands. I'm not sold on nine-and-a-half wins. What say you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's juiced heavily, you know, to the or, to, toward the over right now. I'm looking at, you know, FanDuel minus 160 to the over. That seems like a lot, a lot of juice to play on, like you said, a team that uh, I would say got pretty – maybe one of the luckiest seasons defensively from a turnover perspective that we've seen in quite some time. I think they had the highest EP uh, expected points generated from turnovers on defensive plays. So a uh, high variance defense that I just think is going to probably come back toward uh, a little bit more of the middle of the pack type thing. I do think, you know, Darius Leonard obviously is a superstar uh, on the defense side of the football, but I do think outside of that, uh, they're a team that was definitely greater than their parts defensively. And I do think that we're going to see that step back a little bit. So they are going to need the offensive side of the football. And I am still, you know, really concerned with the number two wide receiver position. I know Alec Pierce is getting uh, some love here, especially early on in training camp. But I do think, you know, rolling into the season with Michael Pittman as kind of the only proven guy at the wide receiver position, especially with how Matt Ryan has operated offensively throughout the course of his career in Atlanta, right? Heavy, heavy, you know, wide receiver targets, not so much to the tight ends and running backs. That's kind of where Frank Reich's offenses lived especially last year with Carson Wentz Naheem Hines getting a lot of targets they had you know a lot the the trio of tight ends as well uh, and I just don't think that that's going to be um, the avenue that Matt Ryan necessarily uh, succeeds in so I do think that they really need Alec Pierce to make a significant step early on uh, in order for them to actually be you know come close to this win total. The, the one the one really good spot for them is I do think the AFC South in general is going to be pretty bad this year, and I'm even lower on the Titans than I am on the Colts. So maybe that's probably the only reason why uh, they might get close to going over this win total. I'm looking at some of these props of the quarterbacks, and I say this because every year we hear this about the Chargers. This is the year. The year. Watch them in the AFC West. They're kind of the sexy pick, and Herbert is leading a lot of these props in terms of passing yard totals, touchdowns totals. Are you as a big a believer in Justin Herbert as everyone else seems to be? Um, I would say, you know, I think the sky's the limit for him. I think, you know, obviously what he's done in his first two seasons has been really impressive. So 
I don't know if he's necessarily going to uh, lead the NFL in like passing yards, passing touchdowns, and those sorts of things. But I do think what they've created, I do believe firmly in Brandon Steele. I do think he's trying to make the right decisions, especially you know the ones that have been much maligned from the fourth down decision making process. But I think they have a lot of the pieces in place to uh, contend here, and I do think if the Chiefs slip up at all. Uh, they are definitely going to be that team uh, that takes them down and is the team to beat in the AFC West. So uh, maybe I'm not like, you know, Super Bowl hopeful type Los Angeles Chargers, but I do think this is the spot and the year where they actually get over that hump uh, and definitely make some noise in that AFC conference. Is there a division? And I know you said you're not, you don't think that the, the, um, the AFC South, you know, it sounds like you're, you're down on the other three teams, but is there one division where, it's not a runaway favorite, so you're not having to lay a big juice, but you are locked in on a team where they're not where betters won't have to lay a lot, right, to, to get a value play, and you think this is a great spot. Yeah, there's a lot of I would say a lot of the market has uh, dried up. I would say uh, you know things obviously move pretty dramatically, so we are seeing some heavy favorites like the Colts to get in the AFC South. I think they were like plus one ten. Plus 115, they're up to minus 125 now. So that's a tough price to play. The Eagles, uh, again, are probably one of the, if not the most popular team to bet on this offseason. So I'm going back. uh, I think I'm going to look at the AFC North here. I do think the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, the narrative surrounding them, I think has definitely been overstated that there's this mentality of this Super Bowl curse, those sorts of things uh, that people are taking into account to knock them down. And I think that, when looking at the roster, looking at what they did last year, yes, they were lucky in numerous situations to get as far as they did to get to the Super Bowl to actually play and have a chance at winning the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, but they have the core in place to get back to that spot. And the one thing that they did this offseason was improve the one weak spot, uh, which was their offensive line. So I think them at plus 190, uh, people are essentially assuming that the Ravens are going to be back fully healthy uh, and capable of running away with that AFC North. And I just think the Bengals are probably the better team. So a plus 190 for them to win the division, I do think that is probably uh, the best bet that you can make right now from my perspective in the futures market. I've always been of the belief that if you can find a value for your conference to win the conference or the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter if you actually believe that, like if, if, if they're, if it, how, however long of a shot they are, the, the, the key is if you think they can get into the playoffs because the bigger the number you get, the better off you are once they get there to sort of hedge off of yep. that if you have a big enough investment. I remember when Pittsburgh and Arizona went to the Super Bowl – those were two my two I did two long shots in the AFC and the NFC on a web TV show I was hosting and I had them at the in August saying you know it was I believe I had the Steelers and the Chargers and like the Cardinals and some other team and they ended up making the Super Bowl so you're sitting on tickets with plus money are are yep. there any teams in both conferences to win the conference like you know I'm hearing a lot of hype about the Giants that they really could step up and sneak into the playoffs. Um, it's not a big number, but in the AFC, I think the Raiders have a legitimate shot if they stay healthy. They're at plus. I'm seeing plus two thousand. I see the Giants at plus six thousand. Who big values to win each conference that you can sort of lean back on some hedges if they get in the playoffs. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember that Cardinals Steelers year. That was the year that Larry Fitzgerald basically went absolutely crazy in the playoffs for quite some time. That was actually a really fun year. And I, I do agree with you. That's kind of got to be your strategy right now, especially if you're not betting, you know, really heavy amounts week in and week out, uh, is to take some shots on some of these futures bets. And there's obviously this idea of, you know, the time value of money, uh, and actually needing a decent sized payout in order to justify, you know, putting money, tie up money for this six, seven month long period. So, I'm looking at a team. I do think the NFC is definitely the correct spot to target. And I'm looking at a team. I know we talked about them maybe just a little bit, but the Cardinals, uh, I think, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins news out six games uh, has kind of dinged them enough in the futures market to the point where they can definitely uh, pay off their price. They're at plus 2,000 right now. I'm not a firm believer in San Francisco. I do think they could easily take a step back uh, with Trey Lance, that quarterback that's not being priced into the market right now. So I do think the Cardinals, could easily sneak in uh, and maybe even win the NFC West division if they do that. Uh, they're a team that I think uh, has the talent in place, especially if Marquise Hollywood Brown, uh, you know, kind of emerges as that number two wide receiver in that particular offense. They could be one of the better offenses in the NFL, and I do think that you know buying into them to win the NFC conference does make a lot of sense. And going back to the walls, uh, you know, ten or so years later, does does make sense from my perspective. And the AFC, uh, it's a little bit tougher. Uh, a lot of the teams that I think, um, you know, sit in that range, I'm not too comfortable buying into. I do think the Jets are going to be uh, probably the team that I would say could make the Cincinnati Bengals-type leap if we do actually see one this year. So, obviously, Zach Wilson would need to take a pretty significant step in year two in order to actually do that. But uh, they have playmakers, young playmakers on the outside. I am a firm believer in Robert Saul actually being one of the better if not one of the best defensive coaches in the NFL. So I do expect defensively them to improve quite a bit. So at plus 7,500, I know they're not likely to make the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think the Jets would probably be my spot to pick uh, in the AFC if you're looking for a little bit of a longer shot option. Got me muted there, Ben. I'm sorry. Uh, we had <laughs> we had some technical <laughs> difficulties. He has Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Ben Brown. As usual, tremendous stuff, Ben. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Thank you. Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. I gave you the sign to mute me, which was my fault because you and I had to go a little back and forth. Then I didn't give you the follow-up sign. It's all right. I should have known as soon as we were done, and then I started looking into something else, and right, I just well, didn't turn I'm back. I'm better when I mute it anyway. We'll be back after this, and we'll mute myself. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. All right, back on a Friday. It's Ed, Willie Ramirez, and Danny running the show. Q's going to join us at 8.30. That's going to be nice. We'll talk about the Raiders' Q, a bunch of other guests. Uh, Willie, 9 o'clock, you've got a special guest. I do. My girl, Cindy Brunson, former ESPN anchor. She's now she's down in Arizona. She's been down there for a while when her husband became the Diamondbacks play-by-play uh, guy. But Cindy's down there doing – we worked together this past winter with Athletes Unlimited. She was the play-by-play along with Cheryl Swoops. They actually made history becoming the first – women of color to provide broadcast for professional sports. It was very cool. And I was the recap writer, but we have been close. Um, so, and now she's a uh, full-time doing Mercury play-by-play. Play. And uh, my two favorite women play-by-play basketball is, is Krista Blunk, who I've known for many years from the Mountain West, and Cindy Brunson. And Krista is the Aces play-by-play person and Cindy is the play-by-play with the Mercury and I'm looking forward to having her on to talk about last night's game to talk about Liz Cambage 
and to talk about the Las Vegas Aces. All right. So she and she's a, she's she's just a, such a nice woman. Really, really, just a genuine person. Well, Cassie Soto on a nine thirty. You want to hear that? An uh, ungenuine person. Yes, exactly. Uh, bringing weird bread products to the Raiders facility yesterday, and you're going to want to hear about the billion dollars a bunch of us are going to win from the lotto. What do you got, Danny? Well, I was just going to say, how is she ungenuine? Because I saw that she brought she brought some media members. Some of the uh, she's not Danny. It's just, it's just, just get, get with time. the shtick. We have to give, give her, her crap. I, I got gotcha. you. Give her crap. She brought bread yesterday. I of course brought the donuts. It was a huge hit. Willie will attest. She brought the She brought donuts on the opening day. You brought not do- voodoo. She didn't. No. Then you brought donuts. Um, I've yet to bring anything. I. You know why I well, appreciate. We know yet. what you can bring. I, I brought that's, peanut, that's M&M's better M&M's than like, donuts. Uh, there you go. Uh, what I I tell you though why I appreciated that yesterday because I got the big doc appointment today with the follow up with the BP and so it was you know bread's not fried it's baked. So I, I was appreciative of that because I did not have a donut when Cassie brought hers in, but I had two the day of the voodoo's. Brought. Well, yeah, because you made everyone feel guilty. I mean, Cassie brings them in; she just shuts up. You kind of, you know, <laughs> I kind of push them. You don't announce that you brought them. Like I brought them, I brought them, I brought them. Cassie no. does, but but to the people that you know, you'd be like, "Yo, man, I brought it. You gonna have a donut? Yeah, yeah, come on, have yeah." One. yeah. Uh, we're getting football season approaches. You know what that means? Cable networks throw the football movies at us. Before we go to the break, I want to ask you guys this important question: your favorite football movie? I'll start. This is going to be weird. Is it just one, or is it? Well, we can we can talk about uh, you know as many as you want, but people don't understand this. But uh, mine goes to We Are Marshall. Okay, what's the reasoning behind it? No, good. no reason. I just okay. like it. I thought it was good. McConaughey was very good. He uh, was. The guy from Lost, what's his name? Matthew what? I never watched Matthew Lost. Fox. Matthew Fox was really good. And he's and, and by the way, he's not from Lost. He was originally from Party, Party of Five. Five. Party of Five. With, I remember that with Lacey Chabert and Nev Campbell. Great show. All right, so we are Marshall Willie Ramirez. No, I know. I know which one you're going. Can I? Can I guess? What my number one? Or because I got because I'm all, I'm I'm all about the top five. Like I so basically what we're talking about here is because I've been sending this to everybody's rundown for the past two weeks. Is as as the football season approaches, you get geared up and you want to watch football. So what what are your top five? But go ahead. What's my favorite? Brian song. Absolutely, hands down. Jimmy Con, the late Jimmy Con, the late great Jimmy Con. Yeah, and I need a little. I need a little original uh, longest yard. Okay, and because neither well, the one's a true story, but another good true story that I don't mind uh, tuning into is Invincible. I like that movie. Never seen it. That was a good one. See, I've never seen We Are Marshall. So you watch Invincible. Okay, I'll watch We Are Marshall. I'm going to need your guys's notes down so that we can go over them in the rundown. Okay, Danny, uh, mine is um, Remember the Titans. That's actually oh, that's actually I thought my, that would have been on Willie's five. That's it's actually it's my, my five. I didn't give you five. Okay, that, here in my five. That's on your five. Yeah, that's actually my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. You're a Hall of Famer in my book, Ed. Hoosiers. That's wrong. It's, it's not, not basketball. It's the wrong season. sport. Mm-hmm. It's the wrong sport. Yeah. Gene Hackman. Oh, what a Jimmy Chitwood. I've got Jimmy Chitwood now as my uh, picture on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, you know what? I'll make it. <laughs> 